Hello, hello. This is Reality of Reality. I'm Aliza Rosen, a longtime TV producer and development executive. Every week on the podcast, I talk to interesting people in all aspects of unscripted content. Okay, so before I introduce my guest, my daughter is here with me to talk about some of the stuff that I loved watching over this winter break. I and can... I watched some of them with her. So. Right, so we're going to do this together. Um, I finished A Teacher on Hulu. Highly recommend it as a binge. It's 10 episodes. First five I watched as a binge, and then every one after that was a weekly thing. Doesn't work like that. It's just not good. Do it all as a binge if you haven't seen it yet, and I think you'll really like it. I thought it was excellent. Um, I rewatched Succession season two. Honestly, hands down, best season of television of any show ever. Incredible show, incredible season. I, if you're not watching it, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, the next one is The Wild on Amazon Prime. Me and my mom watched it together and it was like pretty good, right? It was like... Well, what's it about? It's about like a bunch of people who get stranded on an island and it's like pretty cool. I'll leave you there because, you know, don't want to spoil it. But uh, yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, sort of like the YA version of um, Lost. I saw the Takashi 69 documentary on Hulu, which Brian pretty Sam... weird. Yeah, but you didn't watch it. Do you know anything about him? You told me it was weird. Did you know anything about him? No. Yeah, he's a weirdo. Uh, I don't know if I recommend it or not. Wonder Woman movie. Carly, your review? Um, I wouldn't say... I don't think it was as bad as my mom says it <laughs> is. But it was pretty boring until like the end. Let's just say that. Yeah. Mm, okay. I've, in fairness, I really wasn't even paying attention by the end. Then I didn't watch this, but my mom said that it was like pretty sad. So yeah, but she recommends because it was really good. Well, you didn't say the name of the movie. Soul. Soul on Disney Plus. Very sweet. Uh, Kingdom of Silence. Incredible documentary on Showtime about the murder of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. Excellent. Highly recommend it. You'll learn a lot. Um, I finally watched, thanks to Brian Samuels and every other TV person under the sun, I May Destroy You on HBO and HBO Max. And I didn't love it. I'm so sorry, everybody. I, I'm not. She didn't love it. She didn't love it. Listen, if you liked it, great. Um, Death to 2020 was kind of a silly mockumentary on Netflix that I enjoyed. The Fresh Prince reunion on HBO Max. Unbelievable. So much fun. She loves a good reunion. I love a reunion. She's correct. Uh, and I didn't even really watch the show, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, but I am wanting to watch it now. Now this is the story. Oh, Sing it, girl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and finally, I'm back into Shit's Creek. I kind Schitt's of abandoned Creek. it after season one, and now I'm into season two. It's, it's really, it, well, it's named after the family, S-C-H-I-T-T-S. Get it? Okay. Today on the podcast, Rosie Mercado. Rosie is a life coach. She is a social media and broadcast personality. She is probably most famous for losing 240 pounds um, quite publicly. And I met Rosie when she was on that journey. Uh, we did a show called Curvy Girls with her and I produced the pilot uh, along with some other great people for Nouveau TV. And Curvy Girls is now streaming both seasons on Peacock which is really exciting. And so when I saw that, it inspired me to reconnect with Rosie. And turns out she'd just written a book called The Girl with Self-Esteem Issues, which I listened to on Audible. To absolutely recommend. It's, it's phenomenal. Her journey is incredible. Not just her weight loss journey, but her, her childhood, her marriages, her kids, her kind of everything that she's done. She's just a survivor and she's such a hustler. She's such a motivating, um, sweet, interesting, 
and inspiring person. So I hope you enjoy my chat with Rosie Mercado. Well, hello, Rosie Mercado. Welcome. Hey, it's been such a long time. I'm excited to be able to chat with you and catch up. Oh, my God. So I always start the podcast with how I know my guest. And as I said in my intro, um, I know Rosie from the making of Curvy Girls. So the, the quick history before we launch in is that it was a show idea brought to me by a guy named James Flint, who's an executive producer. And I love the show. And we'll get into that. And immediately I was like, yes, I want to do this. And we ended up selling it to Nuvo TV and you were on the ground floor. You were on the original pitch tape, actually. I don't know if you remember doing the original sizzle reel with James. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember the outdoor walking and yeah. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> How can you forget? And then it actually yeah. got made, which is crazy. And now can you believe that it's on Peacock? It's like all full circle. You know what? It's, it's you know what that teaches me? Better negotiate those damn contracts, girl. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's what right? I know. Negotiate those contracts. I'm like, where's our oh, Peacock money? Lesson. Where's our Peacock was, money? You know what? It, it's, it's definitely a learning lesson. And then I guess just you just remember like everything like I it just brings, you know, clarity, everything like being so excited about the opportunity of being to be able to work, to do something that I love, um, to go through the transformation, to get a reality check of what really happens behind the cameras and to get really, you know, the importance of authenticity. I think that was a real, real, you know, eye opener, how it's so quick to you, you examine and you're like, okay, who do I want to be? I want to be myself. People might not like that, but that's okay. I'm going to be me. And I guess the authenticity of knowing who's authentic and who's not and paying attention on when people turn on for the camera. And it just really, like, it was a really like big awakening to see, Oh, okay. This is, this is how this rolls. Do I really, do I, is that, is that the way that I want to portray myself and how, you know, making that decision. And I guess the biggest one was girl, do you want to pose nude for a cover? Is that really your values? And like, although that's, it has a possibility of it going viral. Is that really something that you want out there? Something that you want to do with your career? And I remember I was so nervous to make this decision. I was, it was so nerve wracking to say no, but at the same time, it's like, if I do it, I'm not going to feel good with myself. You knew, you knew you you know, you yeah. knew in your gut, it's like listening to that gut feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, and then after the fact, like getting people to write to me is like, you should have done it. And <laughs> like, where would have that placed you and this and that? And it's like, you know, I'm, I think at, at every decision that I've made until now, it really has to be based off of my values. And if it go, deviates anywhere from that, I'm going to be uncomfortable with, and I, it's not going to settle well with me, regardless of where the opportunity may take me, if it doesn't go with my values, I'm not going to do it. And I've really stuck that through. And I'm thankful for everything that I've learned. I, I really, you know, I think the biggest lesson of all is authenticity, be authentic and true to yourself. Absolutely. And you preach that and you're so inspirational and now you're like a life coach motivator. I mean, we have so much to get into because your journey, I mean, Kirby Girls is now what, seven years ago, eight years ago? Like when was, I don't know. It's been a while. 2012, right? Was it yeah, years ago? Wow, 12, that's crazy. 13, something like that. Okay. Yeah, so, but I'm super grateful because I remember like when we got season two. Yeah. I was like, it's hard oh, to get. It's Listen, hard to get. And I know. It's hard to get a season one, yeah. let alone a season two. Yeah, season two and going through that. And just well, let's start with season one, though, because I met you on the pilot. I basically produced the pilot with a small a group of women, very awesome women, including Kelly Ryan and, and Sarah Ospitz from Nuvo. 
um, and, and Esther Reyes, who directed it. Um, so, you know, look, what I loved about Curvy Girls, and I still talk about till this day, is that, you know, we didn't make a weight loss show. We didn't make a, you know, girl, you got to lose weight to be a model. We made a, a show about working models who were curvy and, you know, basically this niche world where there was a lot of competition um, to be on top because it's so small. And your story was always interesting because it was a bit of an outlier, right? You were like just kind of um, trying to make it and you had a lot of weight to lose that you wanted to yeah. lose that didn't come yeah. from the show, the show. making yeah. it. Yeah, everybody's like, you were pressured. I'm yeah. like, no, no you wasn't. Yeah. I didn't feel comfortable with myself. And right. So talk about know, that. Like, what was the entry? When you started Curvy Girls, like, where were you with yourself and your, I hate to use the word journey, but like, it really has been a journey. So it feels yeah. like it really applies. Yeah. I, you know, when I was in Curvy Girls, it was excitement. I was, what was I? 340 pounds. Cause I had already started my journey in season one. You were, that was exactly it. Because yeah. I remember the weigh-in in the gym in Santa Monica. Girl, I'm never going to forget that weigh-in. I She's won't like, either. I won't he's either. Grossly obese. Like his words, like, Ugh. Oh my God. I, when I saw that he was so nice to me. And then that's when I learned, I was like, damn, people turn on and yes. off the camera. Yeah. You son of a bitch. Yeah. That um, was a rough, I mean, I, I that will never rough. forget that moment. Dad, I was yeah. like, look, I was like, that's that's fine that you're saying that I'm obese. That's fine. But the way that he he sounded like he was so disgusted. Yeah, with he was me shaming he you. That. It was he like, was shaming me yeah. for that. And I remember that I was I remember when I exactly when I heard that and I saw that for the first time, because that's not the way he acted behind cameras. He was hella cool. He's like, you got this girl, you go. And I remember like, you know, being asked like how much she weigh girl I, I know I know that I weighed more but I didn't want to face it I bullshitted myself on that yeah. nobody told me that I was going to have a weigh-in nobody I knew what was going to happen like I was like all right they're probably going to weigh me but still <laughs> to say such a big number for me publicly openly I think anybody that has body issues has weight issues that number, whether it's 120, 150, 320, 420, if you don't sit well with that number, you're going to have a hard time vocalizing it. And I had a hard time vocalizing a number that way because first place, I was already overweight. I was dealing with body issues and the up and, deal, up and down of the scale and knowing that I had dropped weight and then knowing that I was putting weight back on because that, that was my journey. And then to turn around and see him like just body shame me and just talk about me. Like I was so gross. Like she's like, she's grossly over. Oh my God. I remember I sat there and I, and I didn't let anybody know, but I was crying after that. I was like, you son of a bitch, you just body shame me. And it's like what he was talking about me were moments that that was my inner voice about myself. And I think that really, that's why it hurt so much because I was like, you're saying what I tell myself sometimes. And although I'm angry that you said it because you portrayed to be one thing, you know, in front of the camera and behind the camera, you were hella cool. You were motivating. Like you were, I was throwing punches. Like he got me motivated to like get back into working out and to see the transition of the camera went on. And I was like, that's who I never want to be. I never want to, I want to be the same person in the camera, on the camera, around the people that I am. And that's exactly who I stuck to because, um, that was important to me. I wasn't going to start drama and I wasn't really part of the drama. Like I know, I know some of the, you know, I'm not going to say what, and I don't care if they come back at me, like, how dare you say that? But that's just the reality. Some of the girls wanted to start drama. They wanted to create storylines because the more drama, it was more TV time and they wanted their moment of fame. And I'm like, 
that's not where I want to go down. Why? Because that could potentially, that could be it. Like I'll be famous for like 15 seconds and then nobody's, they're going to remember you for drama. I want to be memorable because I inspired. I was true. I talked about the shit that I was going through. Um, I talked about knocking on the doors and getting the nose, um, going on, you know, looking for agencies and being told that I was too fat or that I wasn't going to make it or, or nailing an audition, like being so excited because I nailed it, uh, uh, an, an acting audition or the improv scene. Like I went in there and I was like, oh, I this I found something new. Like I was excited. Um, I think that really represents what my journey was. So, you know, for anybody that has not seen Curvy Girls, like I really recommend that you see Curvy Girls because you really get to see, you'll pick up who's authentic. You'll pick up who's not. You'll pick up what the true storylines are. You'll pick up the real shit that people deal with in the modeling industry. Like for me, I, I'm the, I was the only one at that time that was not with an agency. After that, I dropped the weight. Then I got the agency, but it didn't, it, it really took for me to get into a sample size to be able to really get into the agency, but you'll see everything that I went through knocking on doors and trying to find my voice and what I was passionate about. Yeah, it was so, oh God, you, you just said so much and, and what really shines through and, and why I loved you from day one is, first of all, you just, you're a very warm person, but you're also so authentic. Like you said, I never felt a, a you know, a, a fake or phony note from you, but I will say that hearing you say about how much that upset you really makes me want to cry because part of what I think you did with such dignity and honor was hold your head up high in the face of adversity. Like that's why we're watching you, you know, after the show ended and I think I was following you on social media, you know, I would send Kelly texts like, have you seen Rosie? We were just rooting for you, like from the inside out, just like we knew you were on this journey. I knew you had that hustle. I mean, that was part of like what was hilarious about, I think even the pilot, like you had like 10 jobs, you know, you were just hustle, hustle, hustle. And I was like, if anyone is going to lose this weight and it's going to be Rosie Mercado and you, you didn't just, you know, shedding weight is one thing and I'm not minimizing it. It's really hard, but you did so much work on yourself. So talk about like part of what the last, yeah, you know, I guess eight years have been in terms of that transformation from inside out or outside in. Oh my God. So simple. Learning to love myself. Why? Because I accepted relationships that were shitty. I accepted situations that were not good. I took opportunities that I didn't know how to negotiate and just ran with it because my mentality is like, this is it. This is all. Instead of saying, hold on, let me value what I really bring to the table. Let me say no to that relationship that I shouldn't have in my life. Um, It's okay to be by myself. Let me learn to love myself. Um, You know, I I think there's there's such importance that really stems from learning to love yourself, learning to sit well in silence with yourself, with your thoughts, being authentic and like, holy shit, that voice is really fucked up. Like it's saying some stuff that's not true about me because that inner voice plays a big decision in our decision-making in the way that we react in the stuff that we tolerate, the things that we attract, what we manifest. So really being able to sit with myself, who am I? What do I want? Because I'm going to tell you after season two that we did not get renewed. I went through one of those shitty moments. of like, what am I going to do now? Like I'm not represented. And I really had to face myself of saying, what's next? Like I've been knocking on these doors and they're not opening. What is next? And I really sat with myself for the next year of figuring out, damn, like, what did I learn from this? Why did the doors close? And what was the lesson behind it? So the transformation begins of, okay, I need, first of all, I need to work on myself because going back and forth to Philadelphia, New York in that airplane at my size, 
like that's the one story that went viral and that was my aha moment that really brought to, like to me of saying you don't fit in one seat you gotta purchase a second one and yeah. being body shamed that way say what like, that was, was for people who don't know about that because that was yeah, pretty so, profound so I, I you know i was blessed that that you know the show they not only did they hire me to showcase my story but they would also pay my flights but in the payment of the flight it was one seat which is normal for a normal sized human being but because i was fluctuating weight from 343 like i was fluctuating throughout the show when i was getting heavier i needed two seats and i was ready to board because i had to you know i had to shoot i was the only one that did not live in new york i was the only one traveling so I was going from Vegas or LA straight over there. And when I was in Vegas, I had to get over there. I was taking a red eye because of course I had other jobs. I was running a towing company. I was running a tire shop. Like I was running, flipping cars. I had a lot going on. With and, children. And with three children, single, and trying to figure out how to live my dream and how to provide at the same time and run a business, so run several businesses. So I get in line, here I am looking fabulous, like designed my outfits cause I'm going to New York and I wanna look fabulous. And as I'm getting in line, it's time to board. This guy runs up to me and just in front of everybody's like, you can't get on that flight. You need to purchase a second seat cause you're not gonna fit. And I remember like the hottest guys from Vegas, like a group of guys, they, they look so, I just, I was just, those girls, I was like, damn, they look good. They were just laughing at me like, damn, that's a fat bitch. And I remember, and then I saw other people like I literally was holding from crying and other people were like embarrassed for me. You, I mean, it was one of those humiliating moments that you could hear people talking. You could see like the looks. And all I did was like, look down and walk over and pay for my second seat. Cause I was so ashamed of telling, telling you guys what had happened. I, you know, I didn't want to say anything. Cause I was like, damn, I need two seats to get to New York. And then on top of it, I get in and then they put the small, the sign on, you know, seat taken on what was left of it. And then they had me a seat extender in front of everybody. Uh. It's like shame upon shame. But you know, I, I, I have to be thankful for that moment because, because everything that I learned in curvy girls from being realistic with myself of where my weight was, what my weight meant to me, uh, what was holding me back, which was the size of my body. Um, you know, and that moment of being shamed, it, it just hit me to rock bottom where I was, I was sick and tired. I was just sick and tired of not being able to purchase clothes at a normal store, having to buy two skirts to make one, getting stuff done by the seamstress, not being able to spend quality time with my kids, the running. Um, it was exhausting. It really was exhausting. And just to say like, is this the life that I want to live for the rest of life? And then what am I teaching my kids? And just getting to that point, it wasn't about TV. It wasn't about the show. It was just about me internally and the voice in my head. So that really initiated my transformation of self-love, taking care of myself, what that meant and discipline. Discipline enough of not, you know, falling like, ah, I'm just going to eat this because I'm hungry and I have to, you know, not everything that's in front of me, I have to eat, number one. And two, why am I eating? Am I emotionally eating? Am I hungry? And really facing that demon because that was a demon for me. Like emotionally, I shit went wrong. I'd go eat. Shit went great. I'd go eat. Um, so I really had to pay attention to that for my own sanity. But how did you do that? Did you go to therapy? Did like, what were, how did you figure that all out? Oh my God. Seminars, lots of, you know, self-improvement seminars, Tony Robbins, um, reading books, Deepak Chopra, uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer, like really understanding the spiritual side, the internal side, the psycho, the psychology side, um, 
listening to Oprah, finding classes and seminars and webinars and everything that was available out there, I was doing. But I think the biggest one for me was Tony Robbins, being able to graduate from his university and traveling to different places and just doing things that I had never done on my own before, new experiences that I didn't know that I was capable of. And from there, just really being paying attention to the importance of working out my mental health, my self-care. Um, and how much I was sacrificing all of that because I was working, you know, I initially, I, I was working three businesses and I had to close, I even had a taco truck going on and I had to like, really like, I was stretching myself so thin that I just wasn't present anymore. I was just so tired. So you mentioned earlier, and you talk about this in your book, the girl with the self-esteem issues that, you know, you were picking certain kinds of men and making bad choices And I know you've spoken about this before that it was, you know, it was hard for you to be like, okay, I've been married a bunch of times. I have these kids, like who's going to love me. And you had to sort of go through that self-reflection of like what your worth is. So how did you kind of figure out the relationship piece? Because your story is great of where you are now. So I'd love to, for you to tell people that. I mean, I think at some point you have to take personal responsibility when you get married and divorced several times. And the and and the part that plays out the same is that you get cheated on every single time or that you end up having a gay husband or, you know, like those are all things that bring self shame. Like I know women will if they get divorced one, they're ashamed. If they get divorced twice, they're like, I, I can't say that if they get divorced three times. Girl, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I yeah, it's like, uh, we don't think the other person's a problem. We think you are the problem or you get slaughtered. Like, damn, girl, like, come on. But at the core, anybody that ever believes in love has to know that you just want to be loved and you want a healthy relationship. It's not that you're jumping from relationship to relationship. You want something that lasts forever. Like that's, you know, we were all born to love and be loved. And I think once I hit right before I started filming with you guys, um, I had gone through my divorce. I had gone through the brain cyst. And that was like the like end all when I got the brain cyst right after my last divorce. And I was like, holy shit. Like, this is like, this is it. Like I went through all this shit. I got cheated on. I tolerated this relationship, physical abuse, mental abuse, you know, emotional abuse. Like I I went through all that and now I'm sick. And it really manifested from everything that I was holding on, everything, all the negative thoughts manifested in a cyst in my brain. So finding my health, And understanding the importance of no, the power of no, of saying no, paying attention to red flags and getting sick and tired of having the story. I had to change my story. My story was who's going to love me after being divorced so many times and having kids with different partners. And now I'm fat. I'm really fat. And I'm just not fat. I'm I'm extremely obese. Like who's going to love me? So whoever gives me a little love and attention or pays attention to me, I'm going to take because that's all I'm ever going to get. So the story was there that I was unworthy. I was unworthy of love and respect. And therefore I tolerated that. So finding the piece of saying, all right, three relationships. First one was not, was so unaware of what was going on. And that he was, was that gay. the gay like, one? Okay. That was the gay one. And I would <laughs> have been so young. Right? I was so young and he was 22 years older than me. So I just, I didn't, I really didn't pay attention. Number two was a long-term relationship. Never saw that coming. So number two was like, all right, never saw that coming. But when you get to the third one that you're like, all right, you jump from next one relationship to the next, you're like, okay, this story keeps repeating itself. And I remember reading the story will repeat itself until the student learns. And I'm like, I'm supposed to be learning something. If I don't want to go through this again, what am I to learn? I have to learn to say no. 
I have to learn to pay attention to the red flags. And the biggest one of all, I am worthy of self-love and I'm worthy of respect. And if I keep tolerating the same shit, that's always what I'm going to get. So at some point you got to stand up and say no. What were those red flags? Red flags were the lies, were the emotional abuse, was the physical abuse, was the the lack of respect and appreciation for the things that I would do, was the wanting to control every decision that I made, was telling me that I couldn't wear makeup, that I had to dress a certain way. Um, that Those are all red flags. If you can't be yourself in a relationship, then what the hell are you doing? And if someone's Amen. emotionally, if someone's emotionally battering you and using your past against you, that's not a healthy relationship. But I think a healthy relationship is when you could respect that you're two individuals seeking one vision together. You know, you, you're two individuals, you have likes and dislikes and not, you know, not everything's a commonality. And that's the beauty about relationships. But, you know, the right person brings out the best in you and they let, you know, and there's a respect of you are who you are. And we might disagree on some things. We're not, you know, we're not going to agree on everything, but we could respectfully disagree. And if I'm pissed, I'm able to walk away and be all right. I'm pissed. Let me cool down. I'm going to let you cool down. You know, having those those moments, those, you know, those moments where it's like you got to put you there's certain barriers that you have to put up saying you're not going to cross this line. And that for me is respecting myself. And if I wouldn't do it to someone else, why, why am I going to allow you to do it for me? I love that. And so you have a happy ending to this, to this, because you, I understand it. Tell me if I'm wrong, that you reconnected with your high school boyfriend. That's that's amazing. How did this happen? Yeah. So I, you know, I go through life, I go through my transformation, which was a really tough transformation. Um, I lost over 220 pounds. Then, you know, I, just my career started blowing up as life coaching. I got to work with Dr. Phil, um, TV shows, you know, in English and in Spanish, like everything goes and I'm focused on me. This is the point where it's like years and years and years focused on me, focused on my kids, but really having a life where it's like, I'm not interested in learning to say no, look, I'm, I'm not interested in dating right now. Thank you. Thank you for the compliment, but no, thank you. Um, of saying, you know what? I don't feel like going out with my friends. I want to spend the quality time with my kids just learning to be present and being okay with being single and enjoying motherhood and reconnecting with my kids on a healthy relationship level. And so focused on my grind that nothing else, like I didn't pay attention to whatever other people were doing was not comparing my career to other people's careers, my looks to someone else. And so hard, by the way. So like kudos to you, because I think it's people don't realize how hard that is. And you know, that's like what our society is built, like literally social media is built to make you compare and covet other people's lives. So for you to be able to have those blinders on and just focus on you, like that's no small accomplishment, Rosie. Thank you. I think it takes, I think it takes work. We're all discipline, right? It takes work and discipline because look, I'm not going to say like at the beginning, especially with Instagram going on and Facebook (laughs) going on, it's so easy to creep on on someone like, what is this girl doing? How is she doing? You're like, damn, she's gotten farther along. And who, what is she doing? Like you catch up on all like, you know, what other people are doing. And then you start feeling like shit because you're like, well, I'm not where I want to be. So it's like, stop focusing on other people because your time you know, God has your timing and there's a certain education and wisdom that comes through going through this process. And he's not going to give you something that you're not ready for. So going through that process, you know, I get a Facebook message and I'm like, I'm a co-host on Face the Truth produced by Dr. Phil. And I'm like, yes, I'm living my life. I'm doing what I love. I think working at Paramount Studios, you know, um, was amazing experience just to go through in every single day and 
and, you know, get to do that and just really hustle at that. And just out of the blue, Facebook message his sisters, you know, we, throughout the years, we were always connected and, hey, I know that you're here, you know, constantly. How about, you know, we go out, grab for dinner and then do you mind if I bring my brother along? And it's like, <laughs> how does that sit with me? It's like, hmm. And we didn't leave it on a good note because he kind of went MIA on me when we were younger. I was 16 and he was, um, he was 19 and he just went MIA. I never, he was my first boyfriend and just didn't know whatever happened to him. And we just, he never like told on. you, he never told you like when you reconnected later. Yeah. He apologized for being a dick. Right. He was just a, <laughs> a stupid young guy. He's like, yeah. He's like, I'm sorry. I was being a dick. And you know, honestly, <laughs> I had no experience and I yeah. was just, we were in long, I was in California. You were in Vegas. And it's like, it was just stupidity that I, I regret, but it was just, it wasn't, it, he apologized. And I think the, for me, that was the biggest thing to be able to apologize for something that you did when you were younger and inexperienced. I think just the apology itself, like really he, you know, instead of saying hi and just kind of blow it off. No, hold on. Let me pull you aside. I'd like to apologize for what I did over 22 years ago. And, you know, it's still in my heart. And I just think this is the right thing to do. I was like, hello flag gentlemen. Okay. Uh -huh. I, can, I love this being humble. And it doesn't hurt that, you know, he had a little, like, you know, he was a silver Fox and just like, he just matured so well and he was well put together. And well, now he didn't get married in the meantime. Yeah. He got married and divorced. Did and he have kids? He had, yeah, he has kids has and kind of, yeah. And he went through a bad divorce and was single for several years and we just reconnected. And when we did, it just kind of took off. Like it was Aww. so unexpected. I wasn't looking for it. It's always and, like one, right? Yeah, it's it was unexpected. And when my mom saw him for the first time, she's like, that's who you're going to marry. I love like, it. She's like, Ma, she, she's like, that's who you were supposed to marry from the beginning. Aww. And, and yeah, they have a great relationship, super healthy relationship. He's grown so much. And I think both of his inexperience and his, you know, ha being in a bad relationship and learning from that, it taught us both what we don't want in a relationship and what it takes to make a relationship work. And we have common values and um, he doesn't bring up my past. He respects it. I don't, I don't deal with his stuff. And it's just like, we're living from the moment that we reconnected forward and we have a baby boy who's seven months old. And so it's like, amazing. yeah, it's so amazing to be a mom, a new mom at 40. Holy shit. Amazing. So many years passed by. Right. How many, what's the gap between your last kid? 13 years. Okay. 13. So what is it like? It must be so, so great. Uh, well, I think having so a baby weird. in a pandemic is like mind what? blowing. I was thinking oh my seven God. months. So having were you nervous to give birth at the hospital? Well, I was nervous about a C-section and then they bust out with the news that like, hey, girl, you're 40. So you got to get checkups because we don't oh, know God. what way this is going to go. And it's like, <laughs> I don't need to hear this. Like, I understand what you're saying and I'm fine with getting the checkups. But nobody, I don't want to be reminded that I'm 40 and high risk. Right. Don't you love and, that? And it's I was like, like I had to turn going off. Yeah. And it's like, I had to turn that around. I was like, all right, you know what? I get extra care because I'm 40 and I'm going right. to like make sure the baby's okay. So I went through that process, but I think what really shocked the hell out of me was, you know, a week before, like, Hey, you're due for your C-section. We're scheduling you in, like everything is good, but your partner, you know, your husband's not going to be able to in there because of COVID you're going to be by yourself. And I'm like, Oh gosh, I, I don't, you know, I really panicked. I really went through a meltdown because I, I was already like, I was ready. I was so ready to give birth. And then that happened. And finally they allowed him, but it was crazy to see the hospital, like the maternity wards so lonely. There's nobody there. You walk in, they got me prepped and ready by myself. And then they let him, they prepped him, you know, make sure that he was clean and changed and everything and, you know, full gown and everything. And then they let him in and 
literally 45 minutes later, you heard the crying. What? And yeah, 45, 45 minutes. minutes. Yeah, 40, it was a quick C-section. Like, done. But it also was interesting because I had gotten a tummy tuck. So the stretching. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it was painful. The stretching of that was painful. I bet. So then yeah. how does that work then? Do you have to get another one? Um, yeah, well, they never fin like they never because I was under the knife for eight hours with my tummy tuck because it was like 22 <sighs> pounds of extra skin. It was bad. And the smell and just the rashes. Um, they couldn't they couldn't go any further. So they tried as much to like tighten that because of the loose skin. Um, but you know what? Girl, I got a little bit of cellulite. It's okay. I got stretch marks. It's okay. I got a mark. You know, I have a healthy baby and I'm thankful that I was able at the age of 40 to give birth to a healthy baby Amen. and everything else. It's like, they're just battle scars. And it's just well, a memory of what it was. I mean, Thank I, you. I wouldn't even know you give birth, you know, Thank anytime you. recently. Yeah. So I want to go back to the, to the weight loss because you said how major and hard it was. You lost. Yeah. 220 20 pounds. Unbelievable. So how people are going to want to know. So how did you do it? Um, the first hundred pounds I was doing boot camp, eating three, I was carb cycling at even eating every three hours. And that worked fantastically. Lost my first hundred woohoo celebrated and then fell into back bad habits again. Like my old habits again, started stressing out, started eating emotionally. And there you go, 30 pounds back up. And I was really depressed. Um, when that happened, cause I'm like, shit, this whole work, it's so easy to, it's so easy to gain when it's so hard to lose it. And it was really beating myself up and it's like, all right, I need to do something. Like, what am I going to do? And I, you know, I was watching Univision and found Maria Antonieta Collins, which is a famous journalist who went through the process of gastric sleeve. And I was like, Hmm, I'm going to look into that. And I remember Monday came, I was at the seminar asking the doctor, how quick can you do this? I will pay cash for this. And I, he thought I was joking. And literally a couple of weeks later, he's like, well, you got to get your heart checked. Like there's a whole process, but he's like, you go through the client, the detox, like we, and you lose these pounds. I had to lose, you know, I had to lose 20 pounds before I got the surgery. He wanted to know I was serious. So I went through it. And I remember like literally a couple of days before I'm like, mom, I'm going into surgery. And she's like, what, what do you, what do you mean? I was like, you guys, I'm getting the gastric sleeve. They thought I was fucking crazy. Like what, like, what is your obsession with being thin? I was like, mom, it's not my obsession with being thin. I'm sick of being fat. And I just, I don't care to be a size zero. Whoever it is, that's their you know, thing. I just don't want to be this fat. That's, that's all it is. And they're like, but you can do it. You've already done it. I'm like, no, mom, I'm so sick of the yo-yo. I'm so sick. I just need some, I need help. I just really need help, mom. And I went through the gastric sleeve with Dr. Hannah. And I remember waking up and taking my first sip of water. I remember feeling full. And that for me was mind blowing because I ate so much that I never felt full. I never felt that sensation of like, hold on. Like I got to stop. Like my body literally felt full. So I went through the gastric sleeve. But the thing is the gastric sleeve alone won't do the work. There's so much that goes into it. Learning how to eat, understanding what doesn't feel good, paying attention to the signs in your body and working out. And finding the energy as you're eating little by little and like going into solids, like finding the energy. Cause I would find myself that I'd lose energy so quick. And then the process that you start losing your hair because you lose weight, you know, rapidly because you're taking care of yourself and your high protein um, intake. Um, and then, you know, figuring out I've lost all this weight. Now I have all this sagging skin. What do I do with that? And it was really a journey. And I got, I really got bashed because they, everybody kept saying, you took the easy way out. 
like, holy shit, whether you do it without the surgery or with the surgery, that is like the toughest challenge that I've had in my life. Like, honestly, because going under the knife is not easy. So whoever says that you guys are full of shit until you walk those don't criticize who's due and, and, you know, celebrate both. If you didn't get the gastric sleeve and you lost it, congratulations. That's a shitload of hard work. And if you got the gastric sleeve, congratulations. That was ballsy to go under the knife and do the work. So, so I've heard mixed things, um, in terms of like how it goes with the gut, not about the weight loss. That seems to be pretty consistent, but I know people that have had like weird health things. Like how is it for you health-wise? Have you had any issues at all with it? Uh, allergies. I cannot have that. Yeah. So things my allergies didn't really, appear before. That, yeah, yeah. That I didn't have before. And then like, I can't have pasta. There's no way in hell, like mm. I was a pasta lover. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. There's no way that I'm having pasta because um, the heartburn that comes with it. And not only that, um, I just, it doesn't like, I, I will throw it up. I just, yeah. it's too heavy for Your my body's stomach. Like rejecting so. it. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think also paying attention that it's so easy to gain weight. Like after the gastric sleeve, if you stretch your stomach out and people don't understand that you yeah. can gain weight. So pay, paying attention, not so much that it's not so much that the weight on the number on the scale is associated with your worth, but I think it's just, how do you feel comfortable? Cause as soon as I start gaining a little bit of weight, I feel uncomfortable with myself, not the way that I look. I just feel like tight, bloated. I feel uncomfortable. So I know what my number is. Like, I know where it's like, oh, I, I feel good here. And yeah. girl, 200, 205 pounds. I know that's a big number for a lot of people. That's my happy place. Like I'm good there. Like I'm, I'm happy place. And is and with the pregnancy, I really had to adjust because as that number was going up and being pregnant, whoo. I mean, look, everybody has their comfort level. Like you said, like, you know what yeah. works for you. And that's such a cool thing to be able to to know that, that it's not, like you said, it's not about being a size zero. It's about like how you feel in your own body. How you, yeah. And I could say that and people are like, well, how do you know? Well, I got down to 175 and for me to sustain at my body type, I have a big ass, big hips, small waist. I'm not very big on my boobs. Like my body structure is not proportionate for any standard. Um, but I got down to 175, which is, was my lowest weight. But for me to sustain that, I have to be on a liquid diet. I could be 175 all day, but you are going to be dealing with the moodiest woman ever. And I'm just not happy. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not happy at that weight, And I don't like how I feel and I don't like my mood. So what I found is like, look, if I want to have something that I want to have, it's okay. Once in a while. Um, but other than that, if I stick to something, you know, taking care of my body and my mind and my soul, I'm just a happier person that way. And I think that goes, that's a reflection to my kids. That's such a great point because Sometimes it feels, I don't know, I feel this way. Like, it's not fair. It's not fair that I can't eat whatever I want and, you know, not gain weight. And I feel resentful. But you're right, because it is cyclical. Because when I do eat whatever I want, I do feel like shit. (laughs) Yeah. No, you do end up, you're like, all right, I eat that. Why the fuck did I eat that? You know what I mean? And then you, you go through this cycle. It's like, look, once in a while, it's nice to, like, have that piece of cake or have that cup of coffee with that bread. Like, it's nice to have those moments of, all right, I got to do that. I can do that when I want to do that. It's a choice. But if I choose to do this every day, I'm not going to feel good. I'm not going to feel good. My skin's not going to look good. It's going to be a reflection of where I'm at. I'm going to feel like I don't have energy. And I notice that when I do 
eat on the healthier side. I have more energy. I'm present. I'm awake. My skin is glowing. You know, my health, my hair and my nails are healthier. You know, all, all of that is a reflect. You got to pay attention. How do you feel? Where do you feel the best? What foods are you eating that like really represent that energy and that mental focus of where you want to go? And I think learning that relationship with food and what that means to me and just understanding that the weight, the number on the scale, that's just an indicator of, all right, well, if I gain 20 pounds, do I have to question why I gained 20 pounds or hold on, Rosie, what are you really feeling? Why, what got you here? Like understanding the emotions behind it. And anytime that I found myself in that place is because I'm going through anxiety and I'm going back to my old habits of emotional eating. And I really have to go down to the court and all right, girl, it's going to be okay. Like love yourself. You don't need the food to just ground yourself, breathe, walk, do something different, you know, distract yourself in a healthy way. Go for the walk, you know, get on the treadmill, you know, dance if you don't like working out, you know, um, there's just, I think it's just, it's just an indicator. It's not like, holy shit, I gained 20 pounds. Like, right. It's the symptom. Like what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. What's going on? What's the core of it? So what made you write the book? Uh, Authenticity. Authenticity, figuring out how many people are not telling the power of their story, how many people are ashamed of their past, how many people are ashamed of what they're living. And I felt that there's so much healing and telling my story and connection and relatability of what people go through. And I think it's important to be able to share not only the story, but the lessons that I learned. And I think you could turn your life around at 20, 30, 40, 50. Like it's never too late. As long as you're breathing, you have a chance to transform anything. It's all your own personal choice. But also having the wisdom of saying, all right, I'm a woman that is Latina, that has wonderful kids. And you see my successes on social media and publicly. But do you know what happened behind the scenes that got me there? You know, how did I get this wisdom and how am I growing each day? And what have I learned and what mistakes am I still committing? And what is that teaching me of where I'm at? So I'm always a student um, wanting to learn, but I'm always I just like to keep it real. I like it to keep it real because the messages that I get from, holy shit, like I felt so ashamed of saying that I got cheated on. I felt like, you know, women write to me, they're like, what's wrong with me? No, 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 no. It has, that's not what's wrong with you. It's what was his insecurity that, and that's something that he has to find. Don't ask that question. That it's like, what's next? All right. That didn't work. Be at peace with it. That's a reflection of his personality, his values and his soul. And understanding to let go and not expect an apology, just let it go and and be able to be at peace. Cause sometimes you might not get an apology that you're waiting for and being able to heal that and move with my life forward without worrying. Why did he cheat? Because when someone cheats automatically, we assume, damn, was I not hot enough? Was I too fat? Was I too ugly? Did I not say the right words? And I not cook properly. Was I not there for him? It's like, we place, we take all that baggage and like, it's all about me. Like now it's, it's, they're old wounds. You don't know where that's coming from. You don't know what's going on there in their head. And just got to know that you're fabulous and there's a lesson in everything. And life is yours. It's your choice to create whatever you want, regardless of the adversity that you've been handed in your life. Some we create and others we're not looking for, and it just happens, but we have to be able to rise above that and, and keep going. Well, you're a very open person and you've been open about your struggles and you're a public figure. Was it still scary to put it all out there knowing like there was no turning back once everybody could read it and know everything? Um, I think the fears that we run as human beings is not being loved and, and, and accepted and, and that feeling of unworthiness and what are people going to say about me and 
what if I get rejected because of this? Or what if I lose a business opportunity because people don't trust me or they don't think I'm valuable enough? And it's like, you know what? At the end of the day, this is my truth. This is my story. And I know there's a blessing that if my my poor decisions and the moments that I did not look for that adversity, the stuff that I was handed and the lesson that I learned can help someone get out of that darkness and like see the light on the other side and give them steps to walk towards that. Then I feel that I'm living with a purposeful life. And I feel that when you do that, if those blessings don't come to me, they'll be handed down to my kids. And I, I pray by doing that, by acting on that, that if ever my kids I'm not around have a problem or dealing with something, someone will be an extension of light to them and help them out. And I think it's so important to walk with vulnerability and authenticity because not only do you create healthier relationships, you create true connections of people that are going to be in your life that love you for you, regardless of your past mistakes. That's what it is. Whoever doesn't love and accept me and is going to criticize me, baby, that's not a reflection of me. That is a reflection of your personality and where you're at in your life. And the people that come and they want to celebrate and they want to talk about their own insecurities and their darkness. We all have dark places that we're afraid to look at. I celebrate you for doing that because I think it takes courage to be able to just really put it all out there. And it's like, this yeah. is who I am. Not right. everybody's going to celebrate. And I'm okay it. with that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I, if you're going to be in here, I'm going to be here because of my true self. So you also developed this podcast ba- based on the book, the same name. I listened to a few. I think you're really good. I, I mean, I'm not you. surprised in the least, but how has that experience been for you? Do you like it? You know what? I do like it. Why? Because I'm learning throughout the process. And I think it really goes, I'm staying true to who I am. I'm exactly like what you see is what you get. And I think people get to see me just get to see my curiosities. And I think it's always, I think we have so much to learn from other human beings and and being a student leaves so much room for growth. And it's like, okay, what I thought about this, it's okay to change my opinion. You know what? I didn't see it from that way. I'm, you know, I have a new opinion on that. I, I, you know what, after all, I used to like, I don't like that anymore. I agree. Like this relationship, I thought it was healthy. You know what? No, I never saw that perspective. I'm not contributing the best to this relationship. Let, let me add value here. So being able to look at each episode and who I sit with to look at their moments of adversity and the stuff that they've gone through makes me love each person that I interview even more because it's like, holy shit, like we're not alone in this world. We're not the only ones going through like really bad moments. We all have these moments that break us down. But what I love about it is like, we get to see the moment of adversity that each guest goes through and how they rose above that and the success that they've attained in their life and how they've used that as a stepping stone. And that's, I love that inspiration. Yeah. And you're a seeker, right? Like you're always yeah. looking to better yourself and not just to be an inspiration, but to be inspired. And I yeah. think that's really admirable. So what is next for Rosie Mercado? I know you're building that empire. Yeah, I'm so excited. So my book, my Spanish book is launching the end of this month. I'm excited. I just got awarded season two of my podcast. Amazing. So I'm excited about that. Um, you know, I I have like, you know, a couple campaigns that are coming out next year, which I'm excited about. But more than anything, I'm just on a journey of I've, I've surrendered. I, you know, COVID has changed things around completely. And what I thought was and traveling and all these things Mm -hmm. that I had, it's like, it's really changed that experience of that or that wanting of that. Hmm. And I think I'm at a point where I've slowed down. And I think the slowing down, I've really gotten to know who I am now. I've gotten to appreciate the moments that like yesterday was the first moment that my son clapped and to be present for something so beautiful but I don't remember when my other kids clapped or when they walked for the first time because I was working three jobs as a single mom to try to sustain them. 
And it was so focused on providing and not being present and to be given this opportunity to say, okay, I'm not doing everything that I thought I was going to be doing, but I do get a moment in time where I get to be present and see those gifts and appreciate them. So I surrender, I surrender to whatever God wants. I surrender to wherever God is taking me and I'm going to keep hustling when it comes to my podcast. And I declare that one day I'm going to have my talk show and I'm just excited that my Spanish book is coming out and, you know, it comes out at the end of the, at the end of this month. And I'm just excited for the campaigns and just the, the surprises that have come along the way and just to have a healthy relationship with my kids and to be in good health. I'm, I'm appreciative for that. I love all of that. Rosie, you're such an inspiration. I'm so glad I got to meet you that however many years ago that was. <laughs> and everybody should watch Curvy Girls so you can see yeah. the beginning of, of it all. Um, listen to Rosie's podcast, The Girl with Self-Esteem Issues. Read her book, All Things Rosie. Where can people find you on social media? You can find me at rosiemercado.com or Rosie Mercado. And you know what? If you have questions, DM me, send me an email. I, re- I respond to, a- to everyone, anything that I could do to pay it forward and help. Always here to help. Oh, you're such a doll. Big kiss. Give a, a kiss Thank to that you. clapping son. He's adorable. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, all the best oh. wishes. Thank you. 